0: I plan to go to law school after I graduated, but uh, looks like my folks won't have enough money to put me through college. Well, the world needs ditch diggers, too. Lord, I was called Ditch Digger Man, aiming for a living and doing the best I can. Discovered entrepreneurship, scaling business plans. And I became the CEO, man. Are you ready
1: to be mentored by some of the best minds in entrepreneurship in the world? Then you're listening to the right podcast, Ditch Digger CEO. We're going to be interviewing CEOs and founders who'll be telling their amazing, rags-to-riches stories. These entrepreneurs who dominate the industries they serve will be sharing the secrets to their success. We'll be talking to millionaires and billionaires, many who started with nothing. You're going to be mentored with Golden Nuggets of shared experiences from my guest whose time is worth thousands and even tens of thousands of dollars per hour. I started in the paving business right out of high school and with no college education, mentorship has been my education of choice. I started over 25 companies in the last 20 years have generated over 1.5 billion in revenues. My guarantee is this, if you listen to Ditch Digger CEO and you wanna be more successful, you will become more successful. The secrets of my success and for many of the world's greatest business leaders will be revealed. Let Ditch Digger CEO mentor you. All right, PJ, how are you?
2: All right, good. How about yourself?
1: I'm doing great. Hey, welcome today to Ditch Digger CEO.
2: All right, thank you. Happy uh, to be here. We're happy
1: to have you. We've, uh, looked, we, we, we know a little bit about you. We're going to learn a lot more about you today as we explore the life of, of PJ and, uh, and how, you, how you've gotten where you've gotten, where you're going, what you're thinking, where you're going. And, uh, you know, basically breaking into the mind of an entrepreneur in your space, in your industry, right? Um, so, what, what, we, we like to start, my, my, uh, my partner on this call, you know, Robbie, on this podcast. Robbie, introduce yourself to PJ. Hey, what's,
3: what's going on, PJ? All nice right, to Robbie, meet nice you. to
2: meet you. Absolutely. Yeah,
3: ho- hopefully one day we can make it happen in person. But all things considered, right now, this is a perfect, uh, perfect opportunity for us to me- learn a little bit more about you and your background today. So, thanks for joining.
2: Absolutely happy to be here.
1: Thank you. Hey, PJ, hold on a second. Hey, Robbie. You got your your hair. Put put you put a little spit on your hand there and put your hair down. Your hair's sticking up, man. You got a colic. I'm talking. About, I'm talking. About, look at Robbie's hair.
3: What's up with your hair, Robbie? That's just spiked in the front there.
1: Oh, that's supposed to be there. All right. Oh yeah. Right. Oh, then get it up. All right, show it <laughs> off. I guess.
3: I'm jealous. I right. don't have that kind of hair. All right.
1: Yeah. i oh, only gonna perfect. have it
3: so much. I'm only gonna have it so much longer. I gotta rock it while I got it. All right, there you go.
1: I like that. <laughs> so, PJ, uh, you know what we we like to uh, we like to go into you know the history of the of the entrepreneur, right? We we like to understand where you know where you came from, um, mm-hmm. what gave you the uh, the the confidence, right? The the, um, the confidence in, in leadership to, to to jump into something and do you know jump into a business and, and be an entrepreneur. And then we like we love to talk about you know what differentiates you from everybody else, personally and business. Um, and, and uh, what's going to make you the best of the best in the future. Does awesome. that sound like the right, right way to go for you? Is there anything yeah. we're, we're, we're missing?
2: Perfect. No, sounds if, great.
1: There, if there's something in there you want to talk about different, you have at it. We love it. We love to hear it all. Um, it, we, these podcasts run from 45 minutes to an hour, hour and a half, whatever, and, and uh, some longer, some shorter, but we like to go about you know, 45, 50 minutes to be perfect. Be, perfect. If we want to come back and do more, we might come back and do more later if you think you, you know, we, we're missing out on some stuff, okay? Okay, sounds
2: good. All right, man. start.
1: So, all right, so welcome to Digger CEO, buddy, and uh, uh, Robbie and I are inquisitive entrepreneurs ourselves. I'm the old, old school guy. He's a, he's a young guy that's, uh, that's getting after it in business and leadership and entrepreneurship. I'm the older guy that's, that, that's been there and done it a few times over, um, and, and we, we're, we're happy, to, happy as heck to have you on board. If you, if you could start, i tell you what, PJ, if you could start with, you know, kind of your upbringing, where you came from, um, what, what gave you this mindset uh, that, you, that you can do things
2: and get things done on your own and
1: build your own business.
2: Awesome. All right. Perfect. Yeah. So I initially came to the US uh, when I was about seven, migrated to the Maryland area. And I was very lucky because my dad was always, uh, you know, he was technical. He was an engineer and he started a very small computer reseller firm. And that got me into uh, working directly with computers at a very young age, like early teens. Um, and I started, you know, kind of putting together uh, small machines, computers back then. You know, Dell was, was there, but it was the very early days. Um, in the late 80s or early 90s, I would say. Um, and then I, I got me to the technical side. I then worked at Best Buy at the time, right in high school. It was called uh, PC Text, but it was basically the Geek Squad Now. Um, And then I got into doing a good amount of sales there as well because there was a lot of customer interaction. Now, I was always very good at sales. so I have a technical background, but I was always very good in sales. Um, And that got me to pretty much get exposed to interacting with people and really being able to, um, you know, know what their needs are and... Sell them the right solution, which has come with me the whole time in launching uh, Uscreen, as well as my first company, which was Webnet Hosting, a web hosting company, um, just like GoDaddy, but we specifically focused on e-commerce. So to back up a little bit, high school, I worked at Best Buy, worked on multiple different. Uh, I also worked at CompUSA, and then in college, I did contracting like at NIST, which is NIST, that's in Maryland. In different DJ, companies. Uh-huh. DJ interrupt, interrupt
1: one time uh, would you uh, tell me where you immigrated from love I love stories of uh, immig- immigration yeah. immig- immigrating here and seeing the this amazing amazing opportunity you had in this uh,
2: this American experience absolutely yeah I immigrated from Iran I was seven and then I have an older brother so he's four years older than me so we immigrated here dad had to find a job luckily my uncle was in uh, computers. And that got him exposure into resuming his technical background. And he basically blended both of us into that background um, as won- we grew up. And what was the reason your uh, your dad
1: immigrated here with your family? What was his purpose? What, uh, what was his vision?
2: Yeah, absolutely. I mean, we were, they were just looking for more opportunities and a better future for us. Obviously, education in the United States is better than, you know, Many places, especially Iran. So it was definitely a must for them to want a better future for us. So that's why we migrated here initially. So, opportunity in education,
1: opportunity in, in this free market society, right? Yeah, building something. Right. Um, okay. Yeah, I love it.
2: Yeah. And then from there, we basically, well, myself, I was able to really take that technical experience I gained with working with my dad from a young age and automatically putting it towards starting my own business because I was mowed lawns in the neighborhood. I shoveled snow. Uh, I love interacting with people. I love doing business. So starting my uh, first company webnet hosting was honestly came very natural to me. I was lucky because my brother was doing freelance web design. So he put a website out for me. And I did very basic SEO optimization. This is in the year two thousand four, and you know inbound leads would come, and I was very impressed with just customers calling in. And obviously, I had to then go and start marketing and doing outbound sales and all that stuff. Um, so you know you had to work for it. Obviously, even though it was the beginning days of the internet, there was a lot of competition. So especially within web hosting it was one of the first industries of um, or one of the few faster-growing industries in the uh, internet. Um, and then that got me a lot of exposure within business. I had that business for 14 years. We hosted about fifty-three, fifty-four hundred 54 hundred sites. A lot of them were e-commerce sites. So they were selling physical goods. And the way I got into video was I came back and, and I had the company for about 14 years. I came back uh, to really want to grow that business during the time that I was in business, I would say about 12 years in. um, And I really, after a year, year and a half of really hustling, um, the industry had expanded so much that you needed. And we were bootstrapped. You needed a lot of money to be able to move things forward. And I always ran it as as a very small business. You know, a lot of the servers do the work. We had a lot of smaller accounts, so there weren't, You know, we didn't have a big shop, about five people working there at the most at that time, Um, one full-time tech that did all the technical support. So uh, it was too late for me to really grow that business. So then I was like, okay, I got to get into something else. And I started investigating other opportunities. And I really looked at the current business. I looked at our web hosting company, and I was always attracted to video. And I saw customers were selling DVDs. I started calling them saying, hey, would you stream these DVDs? And um, you know, there wasn't a lot of good solutions out there. So that's where the initial idea of UStream came about. Okay. And, and, uh, and so did you sell that business? Did you just, what did you do with the first business? Yeah, with UScreen, um, with Webnet hosting, I sold it in 2016, October of 16, I sold it to a Canadian co- uh, corporation called Entirely Digital. And I still ran UScreen for the first two years. It was bootstrapped. So WebNet funded it. I took some of the profits and I put that into U the first two, two and a half years. When it got to the point, kind of like a gas pedal and a clutch pedal, I kind of uh switched per se. But I did run both businesses at the time, but I was like, I gotta focus. It's definitely, I wouldn't say it was a risky move. It was a risky move because it wasn't. The business wasn't off the ground, but it also wasn't because if I had looked at the past history of two years, slowly we're regaining accounts and I saw opportunity um, and it was time to let WebNet go because it wasn't growing, right? Um, for the first 10 years of WebNet, it went well, but I ran it as a small business. I didn't have the maturity in my 20s to really scale the business, right? But, but I have that maturity now in use grade, so it's a completely different animal. Um, we really take the market by storm. Uh, so what,
1: what, you mentioned, what you mentioned there, I mean, we, we've seen this in a lot of businesses, right? I mean, there's a, there's a way to be, to, to be fairly conservative as an entrepreneur, right? I mean, to start something while you're doing something else or, um, you know, to have the opportunity to build something while you've got a paycheck. So I, I talked to people that were firemen, you know, uh, that are that, you know, air traffic controllers, people that, that have time inside and outside their job to do something different. And, and it's pretty cool when you, have a, when you can have a business where you can actually um, build something while you're in that business. You have the security of a job, right? And, and yet you, and you do your job great, but you have the opportunity with other, with other hours outside work to build something that could be the, 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 the business, right? The scalable business. And I've seen this happen many times. And that, that seems like the, the, the coolest way to do it because really taking a lot of risk out, right? But then, but then the risk does happen when you have to actually t- take both feet out of that secure spot into that, that startup. Now the risk is there, right? And uh, we've done that with, with some companies within the Rayvine Group and I, I, my partners, my CEOs in these companies have done it and it's worked out really well. There's times it hasn't worked out well, but most often it works out pretty well as long as, long as they, they understand the risk and reward and they really understand that there's a, a great market for that scalable product, right? So so for you to, to, to go uh, from the, from the webnet business to you, you screened, you, you, you had to realize there's a big open you know blue ocean there, right? Can t- tell us about that.
2: Yeah, that's a really good point. So initially, I didn't think it was a blue ocean, to be honest. That's a really good point that you asked that question. Um, so to go back into thinking what happened, I would say I saw I had a little bit of a sixth sense. Maybe it came from my experience, and I wouldn't put too much weight on it like I was I really saw big signs. No, I w- I think it was simple, so I wouldn't give myself too much credit for it. But, and I'll tell you what that is. But in 2014, when I was like, all right, it's time to 13. It was 13. I was like, all right, I wanna. It, Webnet the hosting business is not growing. I gotta look for other opportunities. I immediately looked at SaaS because web hosting was recurring subscription. So I wanted to get in the subscription business. There's no doubt about that part. That came naturally. I was good at e-commerce. So I was always attracted to video. We had customers that hosted video with us, even if they weren't selling the videos, which they weren't. They were usually hosting it. We had servers. Um, They made good money or paid us really well, right? I knew they were paying us good money. Video has always been expensive. So I knew that video had money to be made. And I went to this show in Amsterdam. It's called IBC, International Broadcasting Conference. And it was the biggest show of wealth I had ever seen. Um, and I showed up. I didn't have a business or anything. I just wanted to see the conference. But it was a really good, put eyes on it for me because I saw these big booths with dining tables at the top. I had never seen something like this in web hosting. So immediately, and I knew these people made a lot of money. And it was Brightcove, Uyala, um, Vimeo, all these companies were there. And they had these huge booths. Um, so I knew there was money in video. And remember another thing. I knew there was Everything was moving towards health and wellness. I knew that was good. E-learning, educational market. And I had figured and I had done my research that I knew YouTube was free. But I was like, will people, are people willing to pay for content? Netflix was a few years in. So I started asking around, would you pay for content? Would you pay for courses? And a lot of 50% would say, yeah, of course, i pay for Netflix. I would pay for this course. The other 50% would be like, no, it's free on YouTube. So there was a lot of spec, you know, like it it was early on to kind of figure out if this would work or not. So that's where I saw the early signs of, okay, I want to build a monetization platform. And literally the heading on our first website in 2014 was sell videos online, very similar to what we have now. And that definitely... that made a difference, and we kind of went from there. Uh, those were the early signs that kind of got me to uh, got me to market, got me to build a very basic version. I wanted video. I knew health and wellness was moving, and I knew eventually people were going to make videos. Now, to answer your question, was there a blue ocean there? To be honest, no. I would say the blue ocean wasn't present for three years. 14 wasn't present. 15 wasn't present. 16 wasn't present. 17 wasn't present. Actually, I would say it's four years. Also, we started in late 14, right? So initially, I was just taking my time kind of looking around. So I would say the first four years, there was no blue ocean. In fact, the first four years of Uscreen were extremely difficult. This is our sixth year in business. The last two years, we really are at our growth stage, and we've gained traction. We have the product. We have the data. We know what people want. We have the customers, We Soul SoulCycle, and all these big brands that work with us. So now it's a different ball game for someone to enter the market. They got to learn everything we learn, right? So the last two years we gained traction. The first four years there was honestly not a blue ocean. In fact, one of our current competitors, Vimeo, which has a product called Vimeo TT, is a competitor to what we do. They came and bought a smaller competitor of ours, which were, the original name was VHX, in late two thousand seventeen, August of seventeen. So we're August the 2020, that was three years ago. So that was the first indicator that either we're in the wrong business, big boys are coming, right? They're going to eat us alive. Or, and one company doesn't take all, but that was a paranoid feeling you had to have. Yeah. Luckily, they're big. They came, they make a lot of mistakes. They took all the features out to make it more simple. They helped us significantly. Um, but the other indication was why are they coming into this space? Everyone in our space till that time was in... Em- immensely small, like, like really small, like to the point where they were designed in India or wherever it was, Latin America, suburbs of, you know, like us, of Maryland. It, we were all very small companies. When you look at our competition, you were almost like, man, this doesn't look like a healthy market. That's how early we were in the game. Then Vimeo came and we we're like, okay, something's going on. Then a year passed, we started getting better customers and they definitely helped. They had a loud speaker telling everybody, you need this. You're free on YouTube. You're a free influencer. You got to make some money wherever you are. So they started making the concept popular. So we started gaining traction. Our platform got better. They made it popular. We made it ours. And then that movement got bigger. Then COVID happened and COVID made a, a, a huge impact on our business. I think on all e-learning platforms, streaming platforms. A lot of people on video now, including Zoom, really took off.
1: Sure. Wow, that's cool. Okay, so who who is the one that made it popular, you said? I I don't think I got that.
2: Yeah, that would be Vimeo. But also Brightcove came in with an integration. Um, There was a few larger names that really came. As soon as Vimeo came, other people were like, oh, we got to do this too. They made it popular.
1: Cool. And All right, so so when... When you look at, like, again, two years ago to or let's just say eight months ago to now with the COVID issues, right, the, the, you know, becoming more, creating more impact to this business and more opportunity for this business, right, what, you know, what, where, where have you grown, what have you seen?
2: Yeah, I mean, for us, we are a not just a streaming platform. And remember, with COVID, everyone's stuck at home. Obviously, this is a global issue. Um, it's unfortunate. And everyone's stuck at home streaming more content, right? but also people wanna make money. So remember the health and wellness customers, which is a portion of our customers, uh, the consumers, the the audience, right? Is sitting at home wanting to do workouts. So that immediately puts that demand huge for Ustream because we help fitness companies stream and distribute videos and make money to their members, right? Selling videos or behind the paywall access only. Um, and we do that for, you know, Fitness Connection, Choose, Vita, Cycle, a lot of these companies. Then you have uh, the theater world, the arts, theater, you know, and, and uh, entertainment, concerts. There's a customer right now, getbackup.tv. I'm telling I mean, I won't disclose numbers, but it's in the hundreds of thousands of dollars per event that they sell. So it's a virtual concert. It's no different than an in-person concert. It's virtual. We have... 100 plus of those customers, but we do a really good job at it. We have our own infrastructure. We have our own video because we did hosting. So then you got that type of audience coming and saying we can't reach our audience. You have a certain amount of people that can no longer show up to in-person that need to stream it. So that boosts you screen. The other portion is, all right, I got to make money with my content. I'm sitting at home. Then we got that audience too. It's not just us either. There's a lot of different e-learning and streaming platforms, including Vimeo and all the other guys doing the same thing. So, so I got a, I've got an event coming up in a week, less than six days away.
1: There's three to five thousand people, in a in a, in a in a location that uh, is not all out there yet because we have the we have the we have a governor that set down all these rules. No more than fifty people. On and on and on. Yeah. Uh, I, I've studied this stuff you know, immensely to understand that this COVID's not transferred outside in, 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 in ultraviolet rays as well as normal, um, normal airflow, outside airflow you can hardly get it. The odds of getting it are so, so low, right? We should, so my opinion, right, my, my own opinion is we should be out there enjoying out, outside doing things outside, concerts and whatever, right? But, but that's not happening right now, of course, because the, the market is scared. So knowing that um, I, I could actually take this this, this event, of, again, three, three to 5,000 people, I've got some national speakers coming in to speak, and uh, it's going to be a lot of fun, but uh, I, I could actually take and figure out how to stream this then, uh, to where you, I, you, you, you can, how, yeah. how fast could you react, to, so let's just say I'm a customer, I, I got, you know, hey, PJ, I got this event coming up six days away, man, how do I, I want to get this out to not just the three to 5,000 people there, but Whatever I can, 20, 30,000 outside this event. How do I do it? How do I monetize it?
2: Yeah, easy. I mean, you can get a site up in a day and set up a camcorder to connect. It's super easy, very easy. You could get it set up in a, in a day. You need a few thumbnails, connect yeah, exactly. the camcorder, and you're good to go.
1: Really? And, and how do you monetize it?
2: Monetize is easy. Everything within screen is built in. So the hosting, the streaming, the website template, the graphics. The countdown, the notifications, the monetization, the paywall, the credit card accepting payment system, the PayPal, all that's built in. So all you need to do is connect your camera to your That's all you need to do. And upload a thumbnail or a banner or a logo, those basic aesthetics. And then monetization is do you want to sell a one-time event? You want it to be $10 a ticket, $20, $30 it connects to Stripe? Or do you want to do a rental? You want to do a one-time sale do you want it to be free pay uh, like member access only where registration you've already pre-sold it you just create those users they require a login you send a login or do you want to do a subscription Any hmm. it's as easy um,
3: as that gary that's all
1: yeah okay now, now my next thing is I, I i want to do it all kind of in the last hour because in the last let's say the last 24 hours um for a reason that I can tell you later, but um, you know, is that possible to get it out to enough people in that amount of time? To maybe it's—I'm not sure. I guess I got to figure out what way how you do that. But you know, we're we're basically getting when I say three to five thousand people, they're they're just being invited in the last you know, from from yesterday on, and we'll have that many people, right? So knowing that, if it we're getting three to five thousand, there's probably. 10 times that that aren't coming, right? That know about, heard about it, know about it, whatever. So that, that's made, that might be the market, right? The other 30, 40,000 people. And, and if it's, uh, let's say it's 20 bucks to show up to this event um, to cover the speakers and all that, right? Um, you know, Could it be 10 bucks ahead, right? Virtual through use through screen, right. right?
2: That's right, that's exactly what people do. Yeah, I mean, you can just broadcast the link to everybody. Hey, sign up virtual. Yeah, there's multiple conferences that work. Um, huh. Okay. And
1: what would it cost be to set something? I, I mean, we can
2: talk about it later, but there's that
1: quick thought of how that would, you know, when somebody listening to our podcast says, okay, what the heck would it cost them to, to
2: for something like that, right?
1: What you know, can, yeah, can you
2: easy. go through it quickly? Use screen's easy. It's $99 a month. That's where it starts. Live is based on, you know, how many hours of live you have. Usually we just take a five percent transaction fee. And they say you pay 99 bucks, and then you get the basic platform. If you do live, we have a small add-on. But it just depends. If you're doing a one-time event, we'll work with you and um, get you set up on that.
1: All right, we're going to work on this, dude. after we're done here, okay? I want to exactly. talk to you about it because I think it's something that could be really fun. Okay, good.
3: And, PJ, I actually have a question for you, kind of going back to the early stages of when this was more of an idea, and less so of a business. Uh, and one of the beauty, beautiful parts of working within the Rabon Group is Gary himself and how entrepreneurial he is. And so we're constantly testing new ideas and trying to iterate and improve over time. And and so I guess I'm curious when you guys were first really putting together the idea of what Uscreen would eventually become and then trying to test the feedback from the market, uh, what that original pilot program really consisted of. And then as you fast forward four to five years, like you mentioned, uh, what sort of frameworks or takeaways have you actually learned through that process that are relatively scalable over
2: time? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, there's so many ways you can test now. For me, I was almost amateur in that aspect, but I had the basics to know what to do to kind of get feedback. Um, there's this thing, it's called getting out of the building. Um, so that's what I did. When I was first starting a screen, I called a bunch of people and asked them, would they pay for content? Would they not? Then I went to Google and I said, fitness DVD, theater DVD, kids DVD. And I got a hundred sites, got their contact info and called all those publishers. Hey, would you be willing to stream your DVDs? Would you pay for it? That's how I got my initial feedback before I built the product. Then once I built the product, keep talking to your customers and um, keep getting the feedback. And really getting feedback comes, it's a learning process. It really is because in software, people are excited about what you're building. So they're going to give you a lot of feedback. If you listen to all of them, you're going to create a monster. And we made some of those mistakes. So building software is actually very complicated. It's not like building, like you look at Instagram, you look at TikTok and all these things work perfectly. And you might have feature requests, but overall you kind of go through it. You know, where all the different softwares like Zoom are using, I wish I had this, I wish I had that. But exactly how it's built has had a lot of studying and how they receive feedback. So building software is really an art. That's why most people don't do it well. There's gonna be a certain number of customers that will attract to any software within the competition. But when you do a good job and you figure it out, we figured it out two years ago, two Mm -hmm. and a half years ago. The first four years is just trying to build something complicated that does everything. Because remember when the audience comes, a lot of them are not your potential audience they think they're going to use it or not and they're also going to be really excited so you're going to get all this feedback and you're going to be like oh my god this is amazing this company and this happens to us this company like ted talks which is a huge name and you could be small it's the exact scenario happens wants us to build two way video and you're like man that's amazing everybody can use that But then when you really, when you build it or you build a small version, you see how complex it was and it took six months. Then you go out to your actual audience. You're going to see, man, that was pretty custom. And that was only for Ted. You got to be really careful in getting feedback. And is it for my right audience? Is it the direction I'm pointing? There's no doubt you're going to have to focus on an audience and then you can expand. You can't do everything for everybody. That's a big mistake. I'm telling you, I made that mistake extremely well many times.
3: <laughs> right. So just focusing on the feedback loop, then, right?
1: Yeah. Right. So it's so common, right, Robbie? I mean, we talk about this a lot but in, in all our businesses. As we build great, great business and great, you know, you need great customers, and 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 to build great business with great customers, you, you it's the best thing you do is include them in in the um, customization of the the products and services you offer. Um, and then it's, it's that feedback loop, right? Con, con, you know, communication with a customer, uh, great feedback loop, on understanding, you know, what they like, what they don't like. Um, and, and, and the cool thing about it all is, you know, I would think in the old days, they, you know, ah, why do I don't want to bother customers, and spend their time and money and all that. But guess what? In my opinion, especially when you're talking about technology, customers embrace it and they become, they become invested in it with their time. And they're your biggest cheerleaders if you do it right. Okay. You know, do you agree That's with right. me? Absolutely, I agree. Well, so, I mean, I think it's, it's so important if you can if you can build that feedback loop like you're doing with great customers. To, to build. so, so tell me, are, are you? I, I think about our business and many companies that are leaders in their space globally, nationally, regionally, whatever. That educate their customers if they're really, really good. If, and I believe we're really good at the products and services we offer to our customers. If they're really, really good. You're not afraid to educate them, educate them to the point where they're they're very wise buyers, right? And, what, and if you're good, there's no fear in that, because you're educated to be the wisest buyer they can be. You're educating them to save money where they can save money and be, be, be smart about their budgeting, right? And so education is the key. Your know, competition might not like that so much, because the competition might want them to not, not be educated, because their products and services aren't world class. So of course, they don't want them to know that, right? So I guess my thing is, you work with companies um, also big, you know, big and small that, that say, hey, man, I can educate my market better than anybody else. Let's build a product that does that. Are you into that as well?
2: No, I don't think we're at the level where we have any customers like that yet, but I could see that happening in the future. There's no doubt. We do a really good job of content ourselves on our blog. And a lot of it is obviously to drive traffic, but a lot of it and it's educational, but a lot of it is also nurturing to get our current customers to succeed. So yeah, no doubt about that. But I think aggregators, like you're saying, will eventually come over time where they do have a customer base that they can educate or are educated for our platform. You're right, that's,
1: that's true. Yeah, I mean, I, I can see that in our in our space. Robbie. I'm not sure if you're thinking the same way, but boy, it should sure be nice. That, you know, we have, we have what we call Ramon University. We educate our customers, they have to physically come in and we, we got 18 different types of roofs and 15 different types of, uh, eight, excuse me, 18 eight different, different types of pavements around our building all things that we do, and then we got 15 different types of roofs on our roof, you know, all the greenest, most environmentally friendly, longest lasting, all these things. And, you know, you got to kind of get them in there to, to educate them where, boy, it'd be a heck of a lot uh, more, more scalable, of course, if we, get, if we can make them feel like they're there, right, with a great educational platform and then educate, you know, the nation's real estate owners instead of just those four or five that come into our,
2: our lunch and learns, right?
3: Yeah,
2: that's absolutely true. And I think as the market expands, that becomes more the case as well, right? And more and more are coming in. There's more opportunity and different ways to do business. Um, That's true. Yeah, I agree with that. Yeah.
3: Rob, what do you think of that? Yeah, no, I think you and I are thinking about it the exact same way. I think most specifically, I'm thinking back towards site right now and and how we've been utilizing some of that feedback loop that we've been given or fortunate to be given from our clients. Uh, But then also, how how else internally can we apply site across the business and making sure that when it is a pilot program, it's something that it's new to us and it's new to the client. How can you communicate that up front that there's going to be headaches along the way? Maybe it's not going to be nailed down perfectly, but how can we maintain that communication and feedback that, and it ultimately ends in our end state being the ideal future that the client is actually interested in, but then simultaneously take feedback from the market and maybe that ends up not even being our ideal client or customer profile, but at least we've learned along the way. That's
1: right. So well, PJ, in your opinion, you know, you, you got some competitors out there maybe, I mean, who are they and, and how do you, how do you differentiate from them to be stronger, faster,
2: or better in any way? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, yeah, there's definitely competition within our platform, especially the larger companies: Brightcove, um, Vimeo, Viewlift. Um, there's another movie, but with, you know, like as far as how we differentiate, it's actually with one we do a better job at building better software. There's no doubt. I don't think a lot of companies, including the big ones, have figured out how to build a really good software yet. They definitely will. Or they have, and this is also the case, and they build it specifically for a specific niche. For example, in our uh, use case, in our platform, you can also have apps. Get your own app on Apple TV, Roku, and all that stuff. Sometimes customers come to us, they only want the app. They don't want the web. Or they want to host their own videos. All these different platforms and competition, they kind of do those things a little bit differently. We're the all-in-one. We're the Shopify for digital goods all in one. It does everything. But there's competition out there that makes it simple on themselves and they only do the apps, right? And then there's a customer or two, not a lot, that comes and wants to do only the apps. So we differentiate by a few ways. If I were to just put it in groups, number one, build really good software. Awesome experience, feature full, it sets you apart. Keep innovating with features. Don't just copy the competition. Build stuff that your customers are saying and build it right, that's one. Second thing is customer service. This one I don't mess around with. I have a background in services as far as web hosting, I offered services. Um, And I do a really good job. I pick up the phone, especially initially. The first four years of Uscreen, I picked up the phone. I did sales, the first two and a half years I did the support too. So we pick up the phone, we do a really good job on sales. And we also do a really good job in customer support. We don't mess around, we do a really good job. 99% of our customers are pretty damn happy, you know? Um, Now, is there that 1%? Yeah, I mean, maybe, you know, but I wouldn't even say it's that much. I would say we have really good customer support. So people don't wait days to get responses. They wait an hour, they wait same day response. And we have end user support as well, which we do a good job. So awesome customer support, speaking to people, goes so far. And I think Amazon, Jeff Bezos is the same thing. He's like the customer experience, taking care of customers is key. If you do that and you don't have a good software, you will still gain business. If you do good customer service, you don't have a good software, you will still gain business. Seriously, that's very true. So offering a good service goes a long way. That's the second thing we really focus on.
1: What are, your, what are your core values are you, you know, in this young company? What were what, what your core values initially? Have they stayed the same? Have you changed those? Well, tell us about your the core values and, 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 or if you have
2: them. Yeah, absolutely. Well, we listen to our audience, not one. We listen to our customers. We're transparent, mm-hmm. right? We um, are very honest and fair with our team. We do a really good job at hiring really good people. So we really focus on treating everyone fairly, being very transparent. Giving them good opportunities for growth. We treat the customers fairly. We're very open to feedback. We're very transparent about what we can and cannot do. We offer great service and we really build to be the best platform on the market. You know, and initially, like I told you, the first four years, it was a struggle. The market hadn't caught up and we were also not building perfectly for what we wanted to do for that audience as far as software goes. It was feature full but have too many features. Um, because when you build something for someone it, it won't do something else for someone else.
1: Sure. Uh, sure.
2: So we really focused on building something that's for the right audience makes a huge difference.
1: Cool. When you look at future, when you look at where you're going, where you're at now, where you're going five years from now, ten years from now, and knowing that technology continues to change. What's your vision? What's your vision look like, and um, how do you how do you get your team to um, to execute on the vision, to buy into the vision, right? To, to, from from where you are today, where you're going to be five, five years, two years from now, five years from now, ten years from now.
2: What I how I think uh, of that. We don't want to be too comfortable. We want to keep pushing. We don't want to be um, you know cocky in any way that like oh we gained traction, we're growing. You know we can just sit back. So we want to keep pushing. Want to keep building really good software. Want to keep listening to the market and the customer. So where will be we be in a few years or five years? Completely innovating and keep pushing forward like it's our first day, and um, really building an awesome team. So far, we've done that. We have a just like we have an eye for okay, hey, we got to build this feature. This will do well. We have an eye for finding really good talent, and we're we were always a remote first company. Everyone's located all around the world. Uh, it was always like that, not just because of COVID. So you can find really good people really fast. But now because of COVID, there's too many candidates and a lot of people that are not fit to be remote. They're not even serious about it. I don't know why they apply. But um, the world's definitely changed in that aspect. But in our case, we're, we were always a remote team, and we figured that part out.
1: So you so you have an advantage on people that are just getting there now. They're saying, "Oh, I guess I guess we got to be remote after all this stuff, right?" Or trying to be remote to a percentage of their labor force. You've been there and done it, and so it's kind of cool. You guys are you got to figure it out as far as how to measure success, right? How to measure productivity? All these things that have to be done in remote atmosphere, different from uh, you know in person in, in a you know sharing office space, right?
2: yeah, absolutely. It, it definitely takes time to learn remote. There's no doubt about that. I think find the right people, train them, do all those things. It takes time to find remote. Yeah, so we've lucky in our case, we've been doing that for five, six years now. So
1: so who are your mentors? You got mentors in the space, mentors in, in entrepreneurship uh, originally? tell us are you, are you a guy that believes in uh, finding mentors that that you can surround yourself with and make you better, stronger, faster?
2: Yeah, absolutely. I definitely think you got to have mentors. I have mentors from previous days of web hosting. I have mentors from you know, a small amount of time that I spent at an incubator in D.C. here called 70, 1776 D.C. I've met some really good people. And I think networking, being in touch with mentors, is definitely very important. Very important. you got to keep honing your skills, You're being motivated by, by what they've done and the advice they're giving you for sure. I think it... Uh, goes a long way. Absolutely.
1: Absolutely. Uh, yeah, any uh, one-on-one mentors, anybody that you've seen, you know, you've got to know it's been very successful that you, you can call on in a pinch to say, you know, hey, what do you, what do you think of this? Have you ever done this? Can you share experience with me? Any of that or no?
2: Yeah, I think mm-hmm. pre-COVID days, I definitely still met up with a mentor or two, but it's been a while. It's been over a year since I've done a one-on-one, but just being in touch with influencers and other people within the field that might not even be a mentor, but you're willing to share advice on is I think. Uh
1: Absolutely. What type type of networks are you in? What type of business networks or technology networks are you in that you, that you, uh, that you love to be a part of?
2: Yeah, I think as far as networks go, um, I think there's some Facebook groups that I'm part of around membership subscriptions. Um, there's a Startup Grind here local in D.C., which I also um, am part of and I attend some of their events. The 1776 D.C. also has some good events. Um, yeah, I think those are all good benefits that uh, you get from being active within a network that is either startup based, small business based or, or within your industry.
1: Sure. Sure.
2: Cool. And then, uh, what what uh, are there associations you belong to? What do you do to, to continue to hone on your skills, you and your team? Yeah, I think a lot of it would just be online, like LinkedIn Learning, Linda, Skillshare. Um, we just take some courses here within the company and for myself, as well as watching YouTube videos.
1: <clears throat> cool, Robbie. Robbie, what else
3: you got for this this All Star? Yeah, I'm interested in understanding the from your perspective, if I'm a listener today and I'm interested in having PJ as a, a mentor of mine, or you can apply that universally, uh, what would you say is your best advice for getting in contact with someone like you or uh, you personally? Um, and how do you approach that conversation? And how can you make that a, a strong working relationship?
2: Yeah, definitely. I think just being honest. When you email someone, you tell them, hey, I'm interested in you know, learning more about X or, or talking with you and hearing your advice. I think people like honesty rather than trying to sell something to them. You know, you're just honest from the start and people like that.
3: Right back to transparency as a cultural value of you
2: guys. Yeah, yeah. That's nice. right.
1: So is any, any uh, you got any kids, any family yet or no?
2: No, no, engaged, almost engaged. If it wasn't COVID, we'd already be engaged, but close to it. No
1: family kids yet. What do you see for, uh, you know, when you raise a family and, and, and being an entrepreneur, you know, technology entrepreneur, the things you're involved in, uh, what, what, you know, what do you want to see in raising a family for the future? I mean, do you, do you want your kids to be entrepreneurs? Do you want them to go to college and, and get an education? What, what you're at, what's your aspirational uh, um, you know goals for your family or
2: the future? Yeah, that's a good question. I think with... Um, Entrepreneurship—if my kids have that drive, you know, then I think I wouldn't say no to anybody. I think it's a good thing for sure. Uh, I, I think, especially, let's say, twenty years from now, or eighteen years from now, or whenever I have kids and they're old enough that they want, you know, they're ready for their career, um, entrepreneurship will be a lot more easily adoptable, right? I'm 39 now, so when I was 20, 22, or 24, when I launched. WebNet hosting, it's actually about 23 or so. It wasn't friendly at all. I mean, at all to launch a business that you were young was not an asset. It was horrible. There was no um, institution or any type of framework to help you. Actually, it was funny. I was watching this interview with Bill Gates and he was saying the same thing, how when he was initially selling software or building his company, and I mean, he was in his early 20s, Um, they wouldn't rent a car to him because he was under 25, and that's true. In the 90s, it was like that. You couldn't rent a car until you were 25. I don't think kids or the youth nowadays, including a lot of my team members, they're very young, early 20s, mid-20s, especially developers. I don't think they realized 15, 20 years ago, it was not friendly to be an entrepreneur. There was no framework. There was no support system. You're completely on your own, and it was actually a downside to be young. So. Yeah, I definitely would support them
1: if they had that. That's, that's really cool to think about. In technology, much easier today than it was 15 years ago. So in the industries that we're, you know, we do have a little technology in, uh, in one of our companies or you know, two of our companies probably, I guess, we're pretty technology driven. But And I, I look at our old school businesses where it's way tougher now to be an entrepreneur and start out than it was 20 years ago in those businesses, right? So when I, a lot of times when I, when I talk to our guests and I talk to friends, Right, I, I have the mindset of man. It'd be tough for me to start in business like I did, and, and you know, at 18 years old, right, it'd be really tough to do that today with all the regulation, all the red tape, the cost, cost, the cost of technology and equipment in our space. Um, but in in technology, I could see where it's you know gotten more accessible, and 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 you know, technology got so far where probably much easier as you, not probably, definitely more easier than that was compared to. You know, old school businesses where it's much tougher than it was. So that's interesting.
2: That's absolutely true. Yeah, it's definitely changed. No doubt about that.
1: Awesome, awesome. Um, so, Robbie, any more questions you got for our, for our guest here? He's, we're gonna we're going be we'll be done pretty quick here. We've got a, a, a stop coming up, but uh, you know, you got uh, what, what you know. Any more questions, and then we'll go into what you what we've got and we've learned from uh,
3: PJ. Yeah, just one question. I know you got to jump. So uh, it can be as SparkNote versioned as you'd like. Uh, but I know that you said you're a remote first culture. Uh, so curious just uh, how you guys approach that mentality and how you still maintain that open line of communication amongst all employees so that you know you're moving in the right direction. Whereas a company like the Raybound Group, for example, hasn't been accustomed to that. So I, I know that's been one of the challenges for us is with everyone working remotely, how do we stay in contact around the clock? Um, And then we'll jump to the takeaways. I know we're running low on time.
2: Awesome. Yeah, I think Slack for us is really useful because you can leave stuff. People check it later. We use organizational tools like Notion or Trello. And then we use Zoom a lot. Simple two-way video is perfect for any kind of work-related stuff. So um, those tools definitely come in handy. Awesome. Well, then as Gary
3: mentioned, we usually like to end each interview with the takeaways for our listeners. So the first takeaway that I had today was kind of going back to when you were originally thinking about starting up Uscreen, and it's really listening to your market and align with your own personal interests. Uh, And at the end of the day, be willing to take a leap of faith. Uh, Like you said, you you didn't fully trust that it was a wide open market, yet there was some inclination that you had deep down, uh, and you knew it was going to be the right transition for you. And obviously, that's paid off dividends in the long term here. Uh, The second was get out of the building. And I think that that's really, really important advice that can be as uh, incredibly simple to digest, Uh, but it's really the most important element of getting a a new business or even a a new product launched is starting to have those conversations with your clients and being able to map out really who your target market's going to be for that. Uh, Third is uh, focus on customer service first and all the other pieces will, will really fall into place afterward. Uh, fourth is don't focus on your competition focus on your own product. and like you said you guys believe and wholeheartedly that you have the best product on the market and that's what's going to continue to set yourself uh, apart moving forward in the future and lastly never stop
2: networking awesome yeah i like that now that you rounded them up that makes perfect sense really good tips there i appreciate them no, you, 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 you gave you
1: gave them to us buddy So thank you
2: all right, great. That
1: was great. And, uh, yeah, so, so really nice having you on, PJ. Appreciate your time, and uh, and let's talk in the near future about uh, what, what, I, what I'm interested in in, in this uh, event coming up, too, if you'd you awesome. be, be okay with that. So maybe okay. maybe uh, I'll, we'll get your cell number and we'll connect, okay? But thanks for everything. Um, we can't wait to see you continue to kick butt in the future and uh, be a force to be reckoned with, it, buddy. I
2: so appreciate thanks a lot. That very much. I appreciate your time. Thanks for listening, everybody.
1: Thanks Until next time on Ditch
2: Digger CEO.
1: See ya. If you enjoy this show, please share with anyone else you think will find value here. And please go to our website, DitchDiggerCEO.com for show notes, links, video clips, and more nuggets of entrepreneurial wisdom. Don't forget to follow me on social media at ditchdiggerceo. And at Gary Rabine. If you listen to our show and want to become more successful, you will become more successful. Thanks for listening, and we'll see you next week.
0: Thought I was called the digger man, aiming for living and doing the best I can. Discovered entrepreneurship, scaling business plans. Then I became the CEO man. We're blessed to build a business in America Where soldiers fight for our freedom every day Dad's work ethic was taught from the seat of a gravel truck Rolling down Highway 31 Lord, I was called to Digger a Man Hey, man best I can, discovered entrepreneurship, scaling business plans, then I became the CEO man.